Katie Turner here, reporting for STI podcast from the ISSTDR conference in Brisbane in Australia. And I've managed to track down a young PhD researcher, so I'm going to have a chat to Hayley Dennison, who's from the University of Victoria in Wellington. Hi Hayley, really Hi. nice of you to talk to me today. No problem. So how are you finding the conference? Oh, I'm loving it. It's, um, it's the first international STI conference that I've been to, so uh, it's really exciting. There's been some amazing talks, we're sport for choice really, and lovely posters as well um, to have a look around in the breaks. And also just it's been really exciting to network and meet people whose work that I've read and followed <laughs> and like they're kind of like professional heroes to me. <laughs> and they're really here and you can actually meet them and have a conversation. There's big names in the field here. So that's been really exciting for me especially. Great. Is there anyone in particular that you've been able to have a um, chat to? Well, I, I spoke to Professor Nigel Dixon who works on the Dunedin Birth Cohort Study. Um, and I'm obviously in New Zealand at the moment and, and they've done a lot of sexual health so um, to have a chat with him in person rather than just reading all the papers was really cool. Yeah. Excellent. And have you seen any really good talks or any talks that have sort of made you think? Um, yeah, there's been, there's been loads. There's been some great adolescent health ones, which is quite relevant to what I'm doing. Some talks about disparities in sexual health between um, Indigenous people and non-Indigenous, so including Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islanders and Maori as well. So that's, I think, that's a really important topic and there's been a few talks on that James Ward and people like that so that's been interesting excellent so, and are yeah. you pre- presenting something yourself here yeah I've got a couple of posters here so I'm coming up to two years into my PhD and I'm still doing field work at the moment still collecting data so I didn't have a great deal but what I brought to the conference was um, a poster about focus groups that I did and the focus groups were asking people about the best way to recruit to a study about sexual health because obviously it's a, it's a sensitive subject and how do we maximise recruiting people to minimise bias and, and get enough power for the okay. study so I spoke to the target population of my study which was um, students at Victoria they kind of gave me information about um, using incentives which uh, they like especially the boys and also uh, timing of, of when you ask someone to take part in the study is really important um, so that's one poster that I've got and the other poster is looking at STI knowledge assessment in, in these people. So okay. this is I'm looking at the factors involved in going for an STI test and one of the things I'm measuring is STI knowledge. So I've got just data from the first 150 or so students that, that took part in my questionnaire and um, we're just looking at knowledge in those people, both people that are testing for STIs and people that aren't testing and then eventually when I've finished my data collection I'll be able to compare those people um, and we found that people had a good idea about how sexually transmitted infections are actually transmitted and um, they didn't have a good knowledge of treatment um, and they didn't have a good knowledge of sequelae, so um, things like cancer from HPV, even though this would be a cohort that received the HPV vaccine. So that was quite interesting. So even in, in girls? Yes, yeah, even right? in girls, yeah, yeah. So I think we could do better in educating um, certain parts of STI knowledge. Were there any particular misconceptions or things about treatment that that came up in your focus groups? Um, One of the questions I asked about was um, gonorrhea, um, whether gonorrhea could usually be treated simply with antibiotics, and um, most people said they did not know, or they said, no, it can't be. Um, So I don't know if there's a perception there 
whether it's not treatable. It's going to be this kind of big scary thing. Um, and obviously there is antibiotic resistance. I wonder if, if people are, are taking that on more and, and interpreting it as it's no longer treatable. So I'm also going to be starting some qualitative interviews shortly with people and finding out more about this, so actually getting a bit more rich data about these kind of things. That's really interesting. Obviously we, we worry a lot about antibiotic resistance, but we still want to make sure people get tested. No, so that that's can really, get, yeah, tested and treated. That's really interesting. And so I was also interested to find out a bit about what it's like being a PhD researcher in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. How's it organised? Where are your supervisors? And how do you kind of access the international information, really? Yeah. Well, obviously, you can tell from my accent that I'm originally from the UK. And I came to New Zealand to do my PhD. And I came to Victoria, the opportunity came up. My PhD supervisor, I'm in a slightly unique position where she is both a professor in the UK and in New Zealand. So she travels backwards and forwards. So we Skype when she's not in New Zealand. um, And that actually works really fine. It works really well. We Skype weekly. So I'm quite lucky in that regard. Yeah, so in terms of what it's like in New Zealand, obviously there's a lot less people there, there's a lot less researchers in in any area, Mm -hmm. therefore, and there's a lot less researchers in sexual health, so you have to make more of an effort, I think, to find those people that are interested in the same thing as you and collaborate with them. I think you have to just go a little bit further. The way that the PhD works is quite similar to the UK, I I think. So do do you think that the sort of the internet and social media is, is helping yeah, you as absolutely. a researcher? I use Twitter and that's really useful. I think it comes into its own at a conference like this yeah. when you can, you know, you're in one parallel session and actually you can find out what's going on in another. So if there were two talks going on at the same time that you were interested in, uh, you don't have to miss out on the message from the other one. And you can make connections with, with all sorts of people, other PhD students as well as, you know, everyone has Twitter now. So I think it's really useful to be on Twitter. Great. Oh, it's been really fantastic to talk to you. Thank you very much.